This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello. They said you'd never get anywhere. Well, they don't care and it's just not fair. Yep. A nice little nod to the Screaming Jets and we will get to Newcastle later. But I mean, I can't, I can't go the next line because that you know and I know better because I don't know better because I got nearly every tip wrong last mm. week. A, a weekend <laughs> it was of an upset round, but I paid the price. Absolute carnage for, for tipsters, uh, both Coltrane and regular. Uh, and we'll get to all of that. And we'll start with the uh, 6 p.m. game on the on Friday night, which you did, in fact, make your Coltrane pick and did, in fact, lose with the Parramatta Eels going down 30-26 to the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. I sure did. This, to me, was the platonic ideal of the 6 p.m. Friday game. Just, Just good tries, no yeah, defense. Lots of, lots of points, no defense. Every time you sort of looked up at the screen, something, something wild was happening, you know, I... I thought the Eels were really confident and composed early. Like that Jermaine Hopgood pass for Regan Campbell-Gillard was, was really, really nice. But the Sharks, no matter what's going on, no matter who they're missing, no matter what question marks we have over the forward pack, they can score points against mm. just about anyone. You know what I mean? Their spine links together so well. And I thought Tricky Trindle had another really good game, backing up his performance from running run against Souths. But might be the best game in first grade that Will Kennedy's had a storm. Absolutely, I thought he was fantastic, and he's someone that I think. I don't know if if Cronulla are convinced that he can be their long term starter at fullback, mm. um, or Cronulla's fans at least might be a few question marks there. But he's someone I've always had a really really big rap on, and I just I love how he injects himself in the attack. He, he, I wouldn't say that like he's a a super a super quick runner or anything like that, but he just always seems to know where to go, where to be, how to beat a couple of defenders. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, and and something like. I think I mentioned in the preview show that I was mildly concerned about the way that Brad Arthur was rotating the forwards. Again, in this game, gigantic minutes for the starters and very little minutes for the guys off the bench. And I think this time it did factor and they were gassed by the end of this game. And I I really do think, I I know that his way is leaning into his star players and playing them huge minutes. Campbell got 65 minutes in this game, Junior Bolo 57, Jermaine Hopgood 71, Matt Dury 72, Bryce Cartwright a full 80. But... Surely something has to change. Well, I think something will change when Ryan Madison comes back. That will that's help. A, that's another guy who sort of demands big minutes. And that I think that will make it much easier for Arthur to to sort of mix up his rotation a little bit. When you look at the guys they did have coming off the bench, you know, it's Weramu Greg, it's Makahesi Makatar. It's not, it's not as if there's real stars on the bench that they're not using. Like those guys can be solid enough, but... I think losing losing Madison has just kind of thrown mm. things out of whack a little bit. You know, once he returns, I think we'll still see big minutes for all the guys because that is um, Brad Arthur's style. But I think I think it's it's sort of been exacerbated by by Madison not being there. I like the Sharks a lot, and I'm happy to see them win this game. But you you are now getting a little bit worried about their defense. After t- I know they won this game, and we know their attack's great, but they don't really seem to be capable of stopping anyone at the moment. Well, when they had that really good one last year, when they won 48,000 games in a row yep. or whatever it was, their defense was a real highlight. You know, yeah. they, they were a strong attacking side, but they were really, really putting the clamps on, on other teams. And even if even if that wasn't the toughest run of games in the world, like they weren't playing great sides, it's still something when you hold a team to, to one or two tries. That's a hard thing to do against any side. But I think... Um, Unless things change, there's a danger that Cronulla kind of become the glass cannons of the mm. league. So a glass cannons are boxing terminates, about a fighter who can knock anybody out, but who gets knocked out a lot himself. You know what I mean? Um, but as a as a neutral observer, if they're just going to get in shootouts all the time, oh yeah, that's I'm gonna, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna love it because they they really can put on some points. Yeah, and it's weird. I feel like if Parramatta had just been a bit less sloppy and a bit more clinical, they might have won this game. They only completed two thirds of their sets in the end. Um, but are you? Getting a little bit worried for Eels fans and for the prospects. I mean, this is now 0-2. Yes, they've played two teams that were in the finals last year. Yes, they've only lost those games by narrow, narrow margins. But, you know, they have now lost both games to start the year. And they've got Manly, Penrith, the Roosters coming up in the next three. Yeah, it's a very, very tough run. And, like, it's, I don't think it's likely, but there is a chance they could be looking at 0-5. With a run, with a run like that, I think the thing that would concern me probably a little bit more this week than it did last week was was Josh Hodgson. I just didn't think him and him and his his halves were able to 
combine all that well at all. And like, it was funny how quickly Parramatta have taken on a lot of the characteristics of Hodgson's Canberra teams as well. You know what I mean? This is this was the sort of game that I've, I'd seen those Hodgson Canberra teams lose a fair bit, like a high-scoring shootout where just sort of their own um, sloppiness kind of got in the way of, of of getting the win. But I think the, the the bigger issue though is Dylan Brown. Like this was the second week in a row that he just didn't ha- play the sort of footy that he's no we know he's capable of playing and. I think a big part of that, I think I said it last week, but he just didn't get the preseason in. He had a really long year last year, World Cup campaign with New Zealand as well. So I'm confident he'll work it out, but it could just take a couple more weeks. And when you look at that draw that they have, you know, they might not have a couple more weeks. Yeah, you're right. And when you start losing games, every loss compounds. And this sport can be cutthroat. And this is a team that was in a grand final last year and I think now has some genuine problems. Ryan Madison coming back will fix some of those things, but... Yeah, I just think the loss of Reid Marnie can't be overstated. And we'll get to the Bulldogs later. He was sensational for them. And my concern wasn't Josh Rosen being a good player. It was his con- My concern was him being the right player for this team. And I think through two weeks, it's shown that he so far is not the right guy to gel with those halves who just want the ball as quickly as possible. Long season, though. Long that is season. true. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving up on my, my beloved Englishman just yet. Nor should you. Um, moving on to the other game on Friday night, uh, the Brisbane Broncos, 2-0, and and our editor-in-large has requested an opening tirade. Well, 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 you all laughed. I couldn't hear you, but I know you all laughed when I came on here two weeks ago and predicted Kevin Walters' Brisbane Broncos to finish inside the top four. But the top four tour is real and truly a live baby. Don't listen to infamous Australian broadcasting company propagandist Nicholas Campton when he tells you the Broncos would lose the Western Front by the 1st of July. They're well and truly in the mix this year. And that was another performance that we saw what the boys were made of as they took down the Cowboys 28-16 at Suncorp Stadium on Friday night in one of the landmark victories of the last couple of years for this Broncos side. And we really saw that maybe that weak underbelly might be gone. This is a team that was up against the wall early, down when Jeremiah Nanai scored a really easy try in the first four minutes, didn't have much possession, and took the punches and rolled with them. And then counterpunched and counterpunched and dominated the game for 65-odd minutes. The 16 points is almost flattering to the Cowboys. The 12-point margin is flattering to the Cowboys. Brisbane... Five tries to the Cowboys, two. But really, I've already wasted enough time not talking about the main feature of the show on the night. That is the performance of Brisbane's own Reese Walsh back in front of his home crowd. One of the finest Broncos debuts I can remember. In a position of drastic need for them this offseason, Reese Walsh has stepped in. And put on three line break assists, two try assists, sorry, one try assist now. Uh, a try scored himself, 16 runs, 175 metres, 73 kick return metres. But most importantly, looked electric every time he touched that ball. Was involved on both sides of the ball throughout for Brisbane. Was a bit of a linchpin of their defence. And you could just see the performance coming from very early in the piece when a little grubber in behind the line from the Cowboys, Reese Walsh hit it at full pace and brought that bit of energy. And, and those kind of things really do inspire the men in front of you. When they've gone from fullbacks, and I'm not even trying to diss the guys like Tessie New or similar, but really they've gone from bit part fullbacks for a number of years now to the performance they had last night. That inspires the men in front. And I put a lot of expectation on the signing of Reese Walsh, on that preview, and a lot of weight of expectation on Reese Walsh. And there looks no one more suited to carry that weight of expectation in Brisbane. And I mean off the field and on the field. He plays with a swagger. He plays with his own don't-care attitude. And he feels like the returning of a really important player in the next decade of the Brisbane Broncos. And... We do have players that would probably be higher caliber and better better footballers, like a Payne Haas, like a Patrick Carrigan, potentially like an Ezra Mam. But they really needed someone like Reese Walsh who could bring that energy on and off the field. And 
I'd mentioned I thought that he brought that off the field so far from what I'd seen through the preseason, and he brought it on the field in spades on Friday night. Every touch, he looked a class above on the field of first-grade footballers and high, of high-quality first-grade footballers. And as anticipated, when people were knocking him for his defence last year and over the off-season, defence is about effort for fullbacks. And they're not always going to look good. And most of the time, they're actually going to look bad in defence. They're going to get embarrassed a lot of the time in defence. And they're going to get run over. And especially for small fullbacks like Reese Walsh. But in this game, we saw that, you know, given a couple of opportunities, he did save tries. And his positioning was fantastic. And we saw less errors. And playing in a better side might be part of that for Reese Walsh. He diffused every kick that went his way, but there was less loose or forced passes when he had the ball, for example, which were coming last year when he played for the Warriors. And I think that's probably a part of that burden of carrying that full load. And we're now he sits in a side that, on the day, Adam Reynolds might have been the poorest Brisbane spine player, and that's including Billy Walters, who, yes, has his frustrating moments. But in this game, when he came back on, credit where it's due, put a fantastic kick in when the boys needed it. You know, and then he and he got in the face of a lot of the Cowboys forwards. Like Reynolds I mean, might have been the poorest one, but we saw the impact Walsh could have. We saw Ezra Mam again, scored an effortless double. Everything he does looks effortless, like any quality player for both of them. And we, and we really saw, you know, maybe this is the start of a new chapter with them being a serious team. No longer a frisky or exciting team. And it all seems to start with those little additions like Ezra and Reese to a team that had the pack, had the back line. It was missing those key positions. And the one thing I really didn't think, and I put a lot of expectation on Reese when we signed him and when I spoke on here about it, of all the things he'd fix for Brisbane, for all the naysayers he'd prove wrong or similar, all the ABC journalists' predictions he'd rubbish. But he really went out there and did some things I didn't anticipate. Like, I forgot about his ability to, to strike on the counter. And a couple of the tries he scored was his ability to strike on the counter. And Jesse Arthur's played his part when he came on. And it's unfortunate what happened to Corey Oates and, and Drinkwater got the, 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 the ban he deserved. The three grade, grade three there, and you'll miss three weeks minimum. It's really unfortunate it happened to Corey, but Arthur's comes on and slots in with Reese, and we strike. They strike on the counter, and then you think out through the year that, you know, Selwyn Cobber hasn't really fired a shot yet, and that's a guy who hasn't always been great in the wet with his footy. But this is a team now that throughout the season will have counter opportunities that feature Reese Walsh, Selwyn Cobber, Herbie Farmworth, Ezra Mam. They're a danger all over the pitch now. But outside what I saw from Walsh and Selwyn. And of course, the everlasting Payne Haas and Patrick Carrigan and even Tom Flegler off the bench. The main thing I took from this game was that defence. And it's not just the good goal line defence or the hungry looking defence. What I really took from it, and it's something Brisbane have really lacked for a number of years, is the ruck control. And it hadn't been there in prior seasons. It had been very frustrating. And these are the things that when you follow a team, you notice it about your team, but you don't really notice about every other team. Like, you know Penrith and Parramatta and the Storm are good at it, but the rest of the teams you couldn't really put on a scale who's good at that. Let's be honest. But Brisbane, and I don't know if it's his credit or not, but they've hired a a specialist tackle and defense coach and Brett O'Farrell over the off-season and there's been he's worked at Penrith, he's worked at Parramatta, and there's been some quotes from the likes of Adam Reynolds about him, nicknamed Bumper, but how he's come in and really terp- interpreted their contact. And he's been very good on the and vocal and physical side of things, and he's helped a lot of players improve on that side of the ball. That looks like that might be a key acquisition. I don't know if I'm giving credit to the wrong person there. Maybe I am. But something has changed at Brisbane and the, over the off-season for that. And what I'm talking about is when you see highlights of this game again, I'll watch it next week. Start watching the efforts of guys like Carrigan or Haas to turn around the ball carrier. You know, In this game, Paddy Carrigan a few times dragged the ball carrier by their collar and turned them around. And that's all it takes to slow that ruck down a little. They only allowed three offloads. This is a team that in the past when the Cowboys have played them, offloaded for fun. Not even with that good much of an offloading team. They've offloaded for fun. And Talmalolo has run over them as games have gone on. And in this game, he had control early, but they actually ran over the Cowboys, forced mistakes, and took real advantage of that. And now the other true hope now is Brisbane have had the ability to win some or turn up for some bigger games the last couple of years. 
and really struggled in the games following those big games. What you'd like to see now as a Brisbane fan is there's a little nice run now back, still at home, on paper some easier games, and they might drop one or two of them. But you'd love to see them go Dragons, Dolphins, Tigers, Raiders, Titans, to pick up four of those games. You'd love to see that. Five is possible. But you, what you want to see is a hungry team, which they look like, come out and take those games as seriously as they took these first two because there's points to be put on. There's confidence to be gained through that. And I won't sit here banging on about how wrong Nicholas Canton has been, but that was a man we once saw as an ally. The groomsman at my wedding. Andy, the disgrace of picking Broncos to finish 43rd on his preseason ladder. It won't soon be forgotten. I hope the articles or the audio recorders are up on the wall because the Kevolution is coming. And it's and it's here right now. And it's time to get on board or get out of the goddamn way. Strong words. Strong, bewildering words. Mm. He's um very hung up on me. Tipping, he hates you. He's very hung up on me tipping Brisbane to end the season erased from history like Soviet dissenters. Yep. Um, perhaps I was wrong on that. But I like Mitch Rod have really nailed what impressed me about the Broncos, and that was how how much of a difference Reese Walsh made to the <laughs> He's team. He's really good. He was, yeah, he was fantastic. And there, what there is just one more thing that I wanna that I wanna touch on um, is the way that he's able to combine with Ezra Mem and the versatility that that gives their entire that gives their entire spine. Walsh is comfortable at first receiver, second receiver, or as a sweet runner. Ezra Mem can also do all three, and it just opens up so many different attacking shapes and patterns for them. It gives their attack a real sophistication and a real diversity that's going to make them really, really hard to contain, you know? And when you've got someone like Reese Walsh who can engineer something like he, from his own end like he did for the second Ezra Mam try, like that sort of thing's just priceless, you know what I mean? He's just a threat all over the field for the Bronx. And I, I, I was really impressed with this one because while the Broncos' attack was, was pretty strong all game, it took, they, it took about 20 minutes or 25 minutes for them to get their first try. And they had a lot of footy on the Cowboys' line. And when something like that happens and you have a lot of you have got a lot of good ball and you don't convert it into points, it can go one or two ways. One, you either stay on the job and you stick to your systems and eventually it, it, it turns. That's what the good teams do. The bad teams get frantic and they panic and they feel like they've got to push passes because they've got to justify all the field position. They don't believe and trust their systems. You know what I mean? And the good teams do the first one, the bad teams do the second one, and Brisbane did the first one. You know, they just really stayed on the job and what they did ended up working because they believed it was going to work. You know mm. what I mean? I think there's a real confidence in um, in what they're doing at the minute. Yeah, they, they look red hot. What about the Cowboys? Um, I mean, you know, I th- I'm not remotely worried about the Cowboys. It's just one of those games. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I probably was a little let down by their attack. You know what I mean? I, I think Tom didn't ran the ball really well, but I would like to see him get involved a little bit more creatively. I think this game really showed how much they rely on Scott Drinkwater's game-breaking abilities because he had a bit of a tough one even before the shoulder charge on on Corey Oates. And without him, their attack did look a little... like It looked pretty it looked pretty stayed. You know what I mean? I'm mm. not I'm not worried about the cows. I'm pretty sure they'll right the ship. They're too, they're too good a team and too well-balanced a team to to fall apart or anything like that. But this was, this was an intense match against a, a rival. And I think they'll be kicking themselves that they sort of didn't quite produce their best football. Yeah, and on Corey Oates, of course, broken jaw, going to be out for a while with surgery. And on the Cowboys side of things, no Scott Drinkwater, no Peter Hicko for the next couple of weeks. That's a couple of big losses. It is, it is. And without Hamiso Tabuai Fidao now, there is a bit of a... There is no obvious first drop for, for fullback, I would say. So maybe Val Holmes goes back there for a couple of weeks or something yeah, like that. I think so. But like that's what. But without Drinkwater, their attack will probably lose a lot of its X factor and a lot of its creativity. I, I don't think that shot on Oates was intentional or anything like that. I think it was very much he just got his angles wrong, and he's not a great defender. Let's not let's ki- let's not kid ourselves here. You know, there's a reason that's he's always been the fullback. knock on him. Yeah, yeah. He's, there's a reason he's playing fullback and not five eight. But he just got just got his angles wrong, got his shoulder in the wrong spot. You know, it's very unfortunate that Oates is going to miss so much time, um, but I don't think there was anything malicious in it from Drinkwater. No. Um, the Sydney Roosters got their first win of the year at Allianz Stadium in the first game on Super Saturday. Uh, a narrow-ish win over the Warriors. And Cambo, I think if Dylan Walker doesn't play, the Warriors might have won this game. Well, the Warriors had so much go against him in this game. They lost Jackson Ford really early to yep. HIA. They lost Chance Nickel Klukstad um, later on in the match. Josh Curran as well, I think. HIA. Josh Curran banged his head as well. And I think you're right. If they didn't have, if Walker didn't, you know, struggle so much when he came on at five eight, they very well could have won this game. They they definitely should have leveled it 
when uh, Wade Egan made that, made that huge break through the middle. And yeah, found uh, I think it was Bailey Sirenin. They like that was a chance that they they really should have iced. And if they did, all of a sudden, you know, it's eighteen all, and, and they're coming home the stronger. It's it's funny the Roosters got up in this, but I was actually prob- probably more impressed with the Warriors. You know what I mean? I I love I love the I love the direction their attacks going. Mm. You know, I talked about the off ball movement. That, that first try was gorgeous. Yeah, well, I talked last week about the off the off ball movement that they had in the win over the Knights, and that was a really really sharp set play. And it was great to see Sean Johnson running the ball like that because I know it's a cliche to say, "Oh, Sean Johnson's just got to run the footy, and everything will work out." He's not really that sort of player anymore because he's a little bit older and he has had a lot of knee and ankle injuries that have slowed him down a bit but to see him hit that ball that pace like he did mm. was just really really nice i think the but conversely i think the roosters are sort of at a point where they have so many forward injuries that just any win's going to be a good win they yeah. just got to try and bank a, bank a few while they wait for radley and lodge to 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 to, to get back um Brandon Smith barely played again. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think I think it was they said like his back seized up or something yeah, so, like that. He's got carrying a rib injury as well or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's been a bit of a bit of a checkered start for him. But um thought um Walker had some really nice touches. I thought his his best game in a while. I thought yeah, I agree with that. Here he got closer to to, to the stuff that we like to see. And, you know, Tedesco and um, Suali, he just gave them so much punch out of the backfield. I did think it was very, very funny. Yes. When Suali made that break and it didn't, didn't pass, pass the ball. Teddy. Yeah, it was great. We were watching this at the pub and there was no sound. So we immediately started saying, oh, there's a fullback rift. There's a fullback rift. Absolute. They hate each other. Yep. Saying it as a joke. And then I found out later that people were saying it seriously. Oh, good. <laughs> But like you can see, like Teddy's Teddy's laughing as Sam Walker goes over the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, there's no there's no rift here, but that still Lee Tedesco stuff just won't go away. Yeah, they, yeah, all, they, they, yeah. they stick a shiny new city Ford in your car space to get you to say that, <laughs> did they, champ? There's no rift here. Look away. I'm not selling out. I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That, look, yeah. Any any win for them with with the guys that they're without at the moment. Uh, this week's going to be a gigantic test for them. You would think Souths are going to have Arrow and Totola back fresh. They've I mean, they've got their own injury problems, but not not to the quality or the extent of some of the guys the Roosters are playing without. And if Brandon Smith's not playing as well, that's just another... Well, I thought Lindsay Collins was really He was strong great, yeah, and he Roosters. had to be. because He had to be, and he's going to have to be again, because I thought the Warriors did get the better of the middle of the field. For Noor Blake and Torhu Harris were both really, really strong. Harris is, I think Harris is going to have a really, really good season based on these two performances he's put together so far. You know what I mean? I love his passing in the middle third of the field for them, so... I. But, the, but that is going to be the challenge for the Roosters until they get mm. some of their troops back, you know, because they do look vulnerable in the middle of the field when they're confronted with a really good pack, and Souths have definitely got that. I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, uh, Jackson Paulo revenge game coming up, though. That'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> Score two tries. What if he scores a try running backwards like he did in that prelim? That was such a cool try. <laughs> but, yeah, no, um, yeah, great win for the Roosters in the end. Uh, I like the direction the Warriors are going in, though. That's one good win at home against the Knights, and then that's one solid defeat in this game that they honestly could have won if not for a couple of late moments where they just dropped the ball on the Roosters line. Yeah, I feel like, feel like they're, they're, they're trending in the right direction. I agree with that, which is good. You know, it's been a while since we've had anything nice to say about the Warriors, apart from those like six weeks where Todd Payton was in charge. But yeah. All right. Um, do you want to step out of the room while I talk about the Dolphins? No, 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 the- no. no. <laughs> Let's, so Dolphins, Raiders, what was the score again? A thousand nil? I don't remember. Uh, yes. A thousand, uh, you were up 999 to nil and you lost a thousand to 999. God, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. But let's talk about the Dolphins first. Like, okay. This um, was another, this felt like another really special moment for them. You know what I mean? And it was, that first win was, was, was great because it was the first one, you know, there was some great tries and all that sort of thing. But this was, this was a really tough performance, a really committed performance. This is the sort of win that clubs and, and good cultures are built on. You know what I mean? And there was, there was, there was, there was so many sort of like iconic moments that really stick with me from this match like Tom Gilbert a crazy person lifting his arms in the air like he's just been crowned the heavyweight champion of the world whenever the Dolphins got a stop on their own line mm. or Gilbert after he scored that try running up to the fans and embracing them I also don't the... think that was a try oh no, no it, was a, it was 100% not a try okay. but like him running up to the fans afterwards was great the hammer doing the same thing after he dropped the big dab after he scored the winner that was really great stuff and I, I think I think there's a chance that a day out at the footy at Redcliffe could become the Queensland equivalent of, you know, a Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt or a Sunday yep. afternoon at Belmore. I thought it was really easy to to for the, it was really easy to sort of feel the the history and the tradition and of the Redcliffe club mm. coming through, even if you were just watching it on TV. So we're all calling them Redcliffe. That's right. Just deal with it. We're all doing it. <laughs> they say in their team song, "We are the boys from Ready." 
Not we're the boys from the. No. And then we just pumped you. Ha ha yeah. ha. It's fantastic. But yeah, it was it was it was great to see um great to see Felice Cafusi continue what he was doing last week. Um, I think someone was saying his new nickname is Finn Diesel, which I like. <laughs> like that shot on Hudson Young, that was an absolute screamer. You know, yeah. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, and I thought Hamiso Tabuafito had his best game. He's playing great for them grade. so far. Yeah. He's been really, really good and both weeks. And I, what, was really imp- what I was really impressed with is like attack's never going to be a problem for him. You know what I mean? He's, he, he's, the, he's the fastest man in the entire universe. He's always going to be able to contribute well on the attacking side. But that wasn't a game that was sort of open and flowing and, mm. and you know meant for him to sort of take by the scruff of the neck with his attack. But his positional play was excellent. In really tricky conditions, he was really, really solid diffusing kicks. Jack White put up a couple of really gnarly torpedo bombs yes, and he, he did. swallowed them up. I was really, really impressed with him. And he's someone that I was a little bit worried about coming into this season because I, I, I wondered if he had the motor to be a fullback because he is a bit of a, 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 a I would say, casual in the way that he plays the game. Yeah, you know what I mean? and, like, and you'd also think that his leash isn't particularly long when they've got New and Asako on both wings, both of whom could easily get put back there if... The hammer struggled, which yeah. he hasn't. He's been great. Yeah, he, he he's really really impressive, and I'm I'm really glad to 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 see all that. It is my fondest wish that Canberra never play at Redcliffe ever again. Um, I don't think Seb Chris is a fullback, Nick. You know what? You just might be right on that one. When he got clean guard. bowled by like the fifth grubber of the day, I thought oh, maybe this isn't. I felt I felt a bit I felt a bit sorry for him because, as we said, it was really tricky conditions. Um, mm. and he's clearly trying really hard. He's pretty he's really putting in with yardage and all of that, but. He is struggling to field some of the kicks and he, he really struggles to fit into attacking shape as well. And that was the most frustrating thing for me with this Canberra loss. And I was really, really frustrated. I was more pissed off after this game than I have been in quite, in quite some time. I don't think you can put him back there again next week. I, th- I think they're going to. But like the big problem with Canberra is while, while the Dolphins were impressive and while it can be sort of a foundational win for them, I do think this is more a game that Canberra lost. I mean, you're up 12-0 with 42 minutes left. Well, you should just win the game. No, the... The big problem for me was camp like yards weren't a problem for Canberra, right? They were really, really m- moving the ball well up the field. Their forward pack really carried the ball strongly and all that, but there was just no attacking shape mm. whatsoever. You know what I mean? There was no, there was no patterns. There was no, no. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of thought in in the way they were trying to attack. If they couldn't just barge their way over, yeah, they just couldn't find a way. And it was a bit the same in that in that loss to the Cowboys the previous week. But yeah, that that, that was the that was the really tough part for me. I thought Jamal Fogarty was was really, really quiet, and they needed more from him. They needed him to sort of he provide a bit of that. He has not really impressed me since he got to Canberra. Well, he had a tough sort of start there in the first couple of weeks um, when he came back from injury in the middle of last season, but then he really grew in his combination with White and got better as the season went on. But then at the minute, it looks like they're just, they're just, they're just starting again, you know, and... It was, it was White, and, White and tried hard, but he just had one of those one of those days where, where things don't quite. You're work right because it's such a weird game because Canberra got through their sets pretty well. They didn't drop the ball. They didn't miss many tackles, and they got, and, and you know the the especially the the second try especially like was just a bit of a fluke, and it should be illegal to score those tries against Canberra. <laughs> but like, yeah, you, you tackled well, you defended well, you got through your sets. You're up twelve nil, and then it just you just lost. Yeah, and uh, just well, the the bad part was I could I could kind of feel it coming. Mm. So there was a there was a, there was a bit in the second half where the two teams sort of went set for set for a little bit, um, and then Canberra ended up flipping field position, had maybe two or three sets in a row on the Dolphins line. Dolphins got the ball and they got a penalty, and as soon as they got the penalty, I knew they were going to score. I just I, I I just I just felt it. I just knew it. I was like, they've turned them away. They would have got so much confidence from that. They're going to come up the other end and score. And they did, they did, and like it should. There was the Tom Gilbert try, and it shouldn't have been a try. Like he shoved him off, he shoved him off the ball. But, yeah, I thought so. But but you can't sit around blaming the referees when Canberra were the ones that that sort of hurt themselves the most, you know. And yeah, it was just really disappointing. And it was and because like every time they spread the ball down the right, you know, every time they went to Corey Hadawira and Ira and Matt Tomoko, they made meters and they busted tackles. But then once they got into the attacking twenty, they just didn't. The ball just didn't get there at all. You know, Dan, Danny Levi had a really tough game. Tom Starling had a really tough game as well. You know what I mean? Levi just looked really indecisive in attack and Starling's passing has now really become a problem. You know, his service just wasn't clean enough or crisp enough or anything like that. And it just really, really slowed everything down. You know where you guys are right now with your hooking situation? It is like when Souths had Cam McInnes and or Robbie Farah in front of Damien Cook and no fans could work out why. Yeah, I'm 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 really really scratching my head on this one. And that is kind of where you guys are now. Yeah, I'd like I I know I'm, I've talked about Zach Wolford I think every single week we've been on the show, but I just think he'd sort out so many of the issues, you know what I mean? He's not a perfect player, he's not an origin player or, or anything like that, but he'll just zip the ball out really really quickly. 
and it will just give the attack a lot more shape and a lot more um, versatility as well. How's you know he, I mean? It'll really it'll really allow them to play the full width of the field. How's he going in reserve grade? I don't know. I had some shooters on the ground at the mm. Bears Raiders game in Canberra yesterday, but I don't. I think Wolford might have gone up to Redcliffe, so I'm not sure oh, if he would have okay. played or not. Yep. You know who did go pretty good in Reggie's? Jared Kroger. Yeah, is it, is it time? Can well, he play? Can he what, play fullback? <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you what. If they don't fix things soon, I think the getting Kroger to three hundred games might be might be all they have. And there is one more thing I want to touch on. I thought Hudson Young had a had a real shocker in this game, which, given the way he plays, is going to happen sometimes. He's a pretty unorthodox sort of player, and he's a bit of a risk taker as well. But it really did annoy me when um, he got sin binned and he was sort of m- like mugging a little bit at the fins. And it's like, mate, we're losing this game. They're punking us. And you've just got sin binned at a really crucial point and you're, you're mean mugging. Like, you've got nothing to mean mug about, man. Not in this game. Not mm. in this one. One last thing. Thought Sean O'Sullivan was really impressive. Really yep. gave Fogarty and White a lesson in wet weather football. Yep. He, he, he's a guy that's just going to kick to the corners and, and be solid. He's just smart. Just a smart yep. footballer. Smart player. Um, the most shocking result of the year so far down in Melbourne. Storm 12, Bulldogs 26. It was at one point 26 nil to the Bulldogs. Kyle Trank have been absolute tatters for M. Bungard <laughs> and for a lot of other people. I think this is, we've, we've got a record for a number of 0-2 starters, but um, what a result for the Doggies. Yeah, they were fantastic. And I think, um, thinking back to when we were talking about this game on the preview show last week, you made mention that the Storm back line just wasn't anywhere. And like then it, I it might be one of the picked them yeah. anyway. Well, that's the thing. We kind of we just kind of got lazy on it. We didn't take a proper look at the teams. We bet, we bet on the institution, and it's true. And it came it came back I, to, it came back to. I, I did think about it afterwards. Dude. It was right. If you'd show me this team and not told me it was the Melbourne Storm, there's no way in the world I would have cold trained. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And like, I think uh, Grant Anderson came in late, and he had a bit of a tough game. But that, like, to me, this like that was the way that the Bulldogs were able to get them. They played really sharp, expansive footy and they really attacked them on the edges of the ruck and out wide and all that. And that's what I thought the Bulldogs were going to play like in that first game yeah. against Manly. You know, I thought they were going to be really expansive and they just sort of looked a lot, a lot more scattered. They had something like seven line breaks in the first half an hour yeah, or it something. Was great. It was really good footy, really good footy. And I thought they really got the balance right with Reed Marnie and Kyle Flanagan and Matt Burton, you know, after a sort of tough outing for the trio. In the season, I hope they really got the balance right. I thought Marnie was superb. He was again. fantastic. You know, Max King was really strong in the middle of the field again. I, th- I think he's the most underrated player in the competition now. Yeah. You know, he's put together probably about a, a full season of really good footy now, and I think he's averaging something like 130 meters a game over the first two weeks of the season. No, it's 160 meters a game. Rather, That's pretty which good. Is That's a lot of Extremely impressive. Good for him. Um, Jacob Kiraz, the big Wahash, the he big was fantastic Wahash. on the wing. Yeah, and he really and he really gave them sort of a a blockbusting tackle breaking presence that Melbourne struggled to deal He's with. He's a great player. You know, and the the, the 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 athleticism of the of the Bulldogs back five really, really won them the day in this one, I think. Like Hayes Perham was really strong, like had some really nice touches in attack and I'm really liking the look of Paul Alamotti as well. He's yeah. not a, not a not a big unit. A guy like, we didn't talk about in our Rookie of the Year chat, which I got chastised by one of our Bulldog fan listeners, Josh, for not even mentioning. But well, he's been... apologies to you, Josh, and to Paul Alamotti, because like, he's yeah. a goer. I really like him. I really like his toughness. I really like the way he sort of explodes onto the ball um, and all that. Yeah, quite pleasing alliteration to look at the Bulldogs' try scores for this game, by the way. Jacob, Jacob, Josh, Jacob, Jake. <laughs> Lovely. Big day. big day for the Jays. Big Jays. Big day for the Jays. A couple of big Jays. Um, but yeah, dude. I understand that they're going to get players back, but this oh, this was atrocious for Melbourne. Well, it, it's that's, they just got stretched too thin, and that's something that we talked about on the Storm. But this is two years in a row preview. now. Oh well, it's, it's just a run of ba- it's just a run of bad luck. But it, injuries are just when bad it's luck. over two years though. It's like is is there something more to it? Because I don't think so. Because think because you got to remember what about all the years they didn't get injured. You know what I well, mean? Maybe like, they made well. Maybe they made some sort of deal with the devil before Cameron Smith was <laughs> now, retired, and now and they're now, now they've got ten lifetimes worth of bad luck to come their now way. Now he's collecting his due. Exactly. No, well, the the thing is, like, they are stretched so thin mm. that if they lose one or two guys, all of a sudden the whole oh, and they've now lost the whole thing can not, fall down. They've now lost Nelson Sofa Solomona for multiple weeks to an injury as well. That's that's a, that's a really tough this one. Absolutely disastrous. They're relying on him a lot. He in was the at, of the at field. various points in this game. He was the only one having a go. Really. Well, I thought, and I thought Welch was okay at times. I thought Eli Katoa. Um, actually, I was going to say Eli Katoa really had some nice right touches edge. too, but but he was, you know, the guy. No disrespect to the guys outside him, but they weren't exactly helping him much when he made those breaks. Yeah. So, so I think I think they're going to have to rely on Katoa a lot because he is someone who can give them a bit of that strike 
out wide. But yeah, they really, they just really need some troops back. They need, really need Olam back as soon as as soon as possible, you know. And once you lose Munster, and once you lose Coates, and once you lose Olam, all of a sudden you are stretched really, really thin. And while they're still a good side, they're not. They're not capable of carrying all those uh, all those blokes uh, like uh, like they would have been able to in the big three era. I know they've got a lot of talented players, but I just think aside from Grant, Munster is just so much more important to everyone else that they have in in terms of how they play, their structure, both in attack and defence. He's a guy that can, you know, th- there's there's times in defence where he comes up with a steal as well, and then just on the other side of the ball when they've got the ball, he just drives everything that they do, and they were just completely directionless. It at sounds times in this game. basic, but mu- like he makes plays. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you know how you talk, you see in NFL so guys say, "Oh, we got to make a play here, we got to make a play here." Munster is that's that sort of guy, and if he has two or three of them, it really it really changes the course of the match, and a lot of guys get confidence from that. Mm. And without him and without Pappenhausen as well, like it's just it's just leaving the likes of Grant and Hughes too much to do. Yeah, you know. So I think this I think the storm the storm will be okay, but until but they've got to get those guys back and and even when they do, the margin for error is just a lot thinner for them than it used to be. Yeah, and look honestly, like I mean, we'll, we'll wait. Like when's Olam due back? I'm not certain on. Will that it one. be this week? It was, I don't think it'll be this week. Okay. He, well, he broke his arm in the in the the second trial. Yeah, so like they're... It's probably another week week or two at least. Like, they do get the Titans and the Tigers in the next two games. And then after that, they've got Souths and the Roosters. So maybe if they get some troops back by then, they'll be okay. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, they just, 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 just got run really thin. And I do think it's important to point out as well that it's been a minute since they sort of were able to get one of those get one of those unknowns in and really shine them up and yeah, turn them into a star. It's, it's like it's not been year, it's not been, you know, a decade or anything like that, but the last couple of years they have sort of struggled to find those guys to get the to Yeah, get the, and it's, the, it's the like some of some of these guys that have come in like Liero and stuff like haven't really set the world on fire mm. at times. Um and their bench in this game was really really poor. Yeah, well that's the thing they got a lot from their bench against against Parramatta and mm. then they just barely got anything on um on Saturday night, you know, and, and, the, and the Bulldogs just, just really took it to them and looked, looked a lot more athletic. Let's talk about dogs a bit more before we move on. They yeah. deserve it. Um, yeah, Reed Marty, we mentioned, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. But Kickout was so much better in this game than he was in round, round one up until the late sin bidding, which was, you know, not great. But <laughs> um, yeah, Fatala Marin, I thought was really good as well. Their, their forwards just fired up. Jacob Preston had some really nice touches too. Where's Preston, he come from? Preston Mania. Is, Where's he come from? It's sweeping the nation. I don't know. I had not heard of him. Before that first trial against Canberra, but he looks like someone. He looked really good on that right edge. Tackled you know his I mean? ass like, off, scored a try. It's great. Well, like he just he just sort of does all the classic second row of things. Runs good lines, tackles his ass off, as you said. It's good. It's good stuff. And I, I like that Seraldo sort of recognised that he might have got a couple of things wrong against Manly. I like that he beefed up the middle by putting Fatala Mariner in there. And you know they just they they played really attractive footy. And I think that's probably their best route to success is to throw it around and sort of back the playmakers that they've got and back the, the speed and athleticism that they have in their back five to, to, to get the job done. I tell you what, Belmore's going to be a madhouse on Sunday. It was already going to be a madhouse. I might come down. But after after snagging that win, like, the Wahash will be out. Oh, mate, It'll be the, good stuff. The, the drums will be out in force and I can't, yeah, I might come down now. We'll see. <laughs> but <laughs> Hayes Perham, fantastic again. I thought he well, was really I don't good. Know, I don't know how he goes as a passer, but he can certainly run. Can run. He can certainly move and he can beat. He He's can not their long-term fullback, but just for this year, like, Fine, yeah, doing good, really and sharp stuff. Corey Wood off the bench gave him a lot of gave him a lot of punch as well. I thought so. Good on them, Corey Wood, the world's biggest Corey Waddell fan. Yep, the Waddlers, we're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Waddles, Waddlers. Hey, look, if you can't if you can't praise Corey Waddell after a big win, <laughs> what are we doing here? What's the point? We had we had the Max King hour. Now we've got the Corey Waddell minute. <laughs> did um, you um? Did you? Are we are we rebooting the Corey hotline? Yes, allegory, <laughs> story, Montessori. Um, are we just stalling so we don't have to talk about the West Tigers? Yes, we are. But let's Whoa. screw what them. A wild old game. This screw was. them. I don't want to talk about them. I'm sick of them. We spent too much time talking about them. They're a bunch of bums. Let's talk about the Newcastle Knights. That is one of the bravest wins in the last few years of the NRL. It's up like I'm just thinking about recent games like that Sharks win over the Warriors last year. Was it last year or the year before? It was last year. Yeah. Um, but this they had 25 minutes where they had a man down. They had Basically everything go against them. Um, they got out to that early lead and were just basically hanging on for dear life for an hour. They showed and a lot. Of, they showed they a lot just of showed so much heart. They showed a lot of ticker, and I, I, I think that's something that Knights fans really, really value. I think more than other teams, they 
They really, they really, really love when their team just sort of digs in and has a go and defies the odds and all Leo that. Leo Thompson and killed someone as well. That was great. That was a great, that was a great, great shot. But like, it was great to see them play with that, with that sort of spirit because I think that is something that has been missing over over the last twelve months. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as if they were just losing, you know, a couple of players. They're losing Ponga, their best attacking player. They lost Jacob Safidi late. You know, one, prob, like up there was one of ah uh, oh, bloody hell. One of their best front rowers, Jayden Tyson, well. Tyson Frizzell went down. Jaden Braley went down. You know, and they had my favourite Final Fantasy VI character, Phoenix Crossland, play like a whole game at hooker. Yeah, he, yeah. he did. He picked up a couple of Dally M points as well. So. Played, he played really well. well Is it, I think with him though, does he just stand out because he's got the long blonde hair and he looks like an elf from Lord of the Rings? Well, his name's Phoenix. Of course, he's he fantastic. Out. I love everything uh, about the, him. From the ashes, Crossland rises. He's fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah, they were just so gutsy in this game and. You know, this is a kind of win that I think, as you said, means more to Newcastle than it means to a lot of teams because they just value... Oh, the Sid, the Sid Fogg buses would have been <laughs> a rowdy place to be on the trip back up to New. I'll tell you what was what was really interesting. So Tyson Gamble came on when um, when Ponga hit his head and he he's a player who kind of confounds me because... We got the full rambling, gambling experience. We, we did. The rambling, gambling man was out there. But like the way the footy that he plays is just really simple, really basic, just... You know, goes to the line, can put guys in holes. Sometimes pretty- you get a try. Sometimes the pass goes over the sideline. Yeah, yeah, and that's like all right. Yeah, he, like he, he I, I wouldn't say that he's like you know got huge plays in him. He just is like a a, a competent five eight or whatever. And it's completely at odds with what he what his personality is on the field, which mm. is that of like a, a screaming madman. Yes, <laughs> like the, you know he he's he's just sort of a, a tidy a tidy composed player. He's Brad, then, he's Brad something he's, snaps, something just he's something Brad goes in Drew his trapped in Adam uh, trapped in Josh Reynolds's brain. <laughs> <laughs> they saved they saved Reynolds' brain. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah. So um, he's 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 a he's an enigma, man. I can't work that guy out. Nor can I, but you know, that that's a great win for them. And they you know, the Warriors have shown in their second game as well to be better than maybe we thought. So perhaps that round one loss for the Knights, and again without Ponga for a chunk of that game, wasn't as bad as we thought. And now a really gutsy win here, and they finally get to go home this week and play the Dolphins on Friday night. So yeah. a pretty good start to the season for them. It can be, but they did pay a heavy price yeah. for this one. I'm, I'm. Let's talk about that now. I'm really worried about Ponga. Me too, man. I'm really worried about Ponga because you know when you know when a boxer when his chin goes and he gets knocked out by punches that you know that normally he would have just eaten ten years ago. Mm. Like we've seen that a similar thing happen to guys who do have a serious history of concussion. Like Boyd Corden is the one I always think about. His last couple of concussions came from glancing blows. Yeah, yeah, contact that looked pretty, pretty minor, and 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 that that was what that was how this seemed to me with Ponga. You know what I mean? It wasn't as if it was a hard blow or like a knee got in the wrong spot or whatever. It really just just was a little touch, and he was straight out. You know, and, and just 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 with all the with all the the concussion problems he's had in the past, to see something like that is 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 really concerning. I hope he's I hope he's all right. I hope he's all right. I hope and I hope the Knights um I hope the Knights sort of give him whatever space, whatever time off from footy he needs. I know that they shut him down for the back end of last year and and all of that. And I know he's their best player and their biggest star and their highest paid guy and all that sort of thing. But you know, you really got to be careful with this sort of thing. It's, and it just sucks. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of them now, man. It's just a lot of them. It's insane. Yeah, and this one, like, I know that you can't be mildly concussed. You're either concussed or you're not, but the way he went down, he was out like a light yeah, like, he's straight out away. Yeah, the ground, man. Really, really tough, shocking really stuff. Tough. And, like, and now Jacob Zafidi's looking at five or six weeks on the sidelines. That side was a really bad well. shot. It was an awful one, man. It was like seeing a car it's crash. It's a great like, win, a but, like, it was very much a Ferric victory for them in a lot of ways. Well, they just paid a heavy price for it. You Spell Ferric. Uh, P H Y R R I C. He's done it. Yeah, that's baby. where my tax dollars are going. <laughs> um, the Tigers screw them, but Luke Brooks' two-point field goal attempt enjoyable. Well, that that to me kind of sums up that that last moment, that two-point field goal, kind of sums up the biggest problem the Tigers have. They just they play so frantically. They don't seem to have much of a plan. So they really so that go watch the replay. Watch how quickly they do everything. They they have about ten seconds mm. after they get the penalty, and it doesn't matter if there was ten seconds left or zero seconds left. You can kick it. There's there's no time running when you kick it, and you're definitely going to get that one play. So you can take your time, and you can plan things out, right? But they kick for touch really, really quickly. Then they get to, to Brooks really, really quickly. Why is Luke Brooks a left-footed kicker taking that shot on the bad side of the field? Why isn't Adam Dewey known super boot? Why isn't he coming over, setting himself up, giving him the time, and then trying to bang it over when the angle is more favourable for him as a right-footed kicker? You know what I mean? They just don't seem to. They don't seem to be a team 
that really thinks. When they were prepared, like they seemed to have two speeds when they were attacking the Knights line. It was either crash ball after crash ball, which didn't work, um, or it was shifting it to the side as quickly as possible without really any sort of shape to it and just getting jammed up on and getting stopped. And there yeah. wasn't really much. There wasn't really much imagination to it. It was one of those two plans, neither of which are great plans. Um, although Vossi nearly combusted on the television when Alex Twole got lost the ball over the line. I nearly but. combusted on the hill. I'd say if, if Twole had scored that try, we would have run, we would have run on the pitch. We would have chaired him off like Buddy. Would have been our Buddy Franklin. Kicked Franklin his moment, thousand, yeah, kicked his thousand um, goal. But yeah, look, uh, worrying signs for them. But you know, whatever. Well, they, they we won't be hurt again. They don't seem to play to their strengths. To me, their strength right now is their forward pack. Yep. Right, and Utoi Kamano and Clemmer and. And uh, Papa Lee, I, I thought Kapoa had Kepa, some nice touches. Yeah, Kapoa was pretty good on that edge. He's an, he's one of those guys who's moved from centre to second row. We talked about it last week. I think that's something we're going to see more of in the future. But they don't seem to play to those strengths. They they really want to seem to play open, expansive footy, which is great when you've got the guys that can do that. But I just don't think they have the strike in the back line right now to play that sort of footy. You know, and it, I don't know. They just they just don't, the, their spine doesn't really seem to be working well together. Like I thought, Dane Laurie tried really hard at. At fullback and Appy Coruscant tried hard at hooker, but I don't know things just aren't linking up. And this is this is two really really bad losses for them. To where's, start the, where's Eddie Mamalo? Because Nofaluma. Um, he's injured at the minute. I think okay. it's his leg. He should be back in a couple of Nofaluma weeks. Nofaluma was really poor in this game. I thought. Well, like, and then so, so late in the game when they're really chasing the points and trying to score, Dane Laurie's at, on the wing and Charlie Staines is at fullback. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing up there. Who? No, I don't think anyone does. All right, last game of the round. The undefeated, table-topping St. George Illawarra Dragons. They did it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I was thinking about this, right, during this game. Not to go back, not to harp on about the Tigers again, but, like, you know how their fans think they're cursed? So, I'm watching this game and Jacob Little is getting effusive praise for his involvement, whilst <laughs> Appy Coruscant looks like, a, like, like he's never played football before. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Maybe they are cursed. I don't know. But yeah, Dragons, fa- fantastic. I was, I, was, I was really glad for the Dragons and their fans to get this sort of win because it has been a really tough off-season for them on a couple of levels. And, and, but we, 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 we counted them out. We, we, I think we both tipped the Titans. Let's never bet against Ben Hunt again. Let's let's okay. pledge to do that right now. He was fa- he was really really strong. I thought just doing all the stuff that he did last year, just giving them giving them that circuit breaker and attack, creating chances for himself and for other players. Thought he was really strong. Thought Tyrell Sloan was really good too, and I was really happy to see him play well and play with a smile on his face because you know in the aftermath of that charity shield where he was in tears after the game, like you hate seeing that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like these guys play footy. Well, they started playing footy because footy was fun for them. And I hate it when that fun is sort of sucked out of the game for them for whatever reason. So it was great to see him play so well. Um, but the, the headline moment for me, Blake Laurie crashing over. That's how you do it, Alex Twile. That's how you do it, son. Two tries in, what, 150-odd NRL games with a big fella? Absolutely love it. He's one of my absolute favourites. And I would like to apologise to Blake Laurie because last week on the question show, we got a question of which players in the NRL could become potential like dudes in the future. The correct answer was Blake Laurie and we forgot about him. You know, yeah, I mean? and he a had a blinder, I thought. Like not just the try, he was cleaning up balls in the in goal, he was forcing errors with his defence. Really, really good stuff from the big unit. Yeah, no, he was he was solid. What did you make of the Titans? I don't know. I, I feel like they were they were a little bit they were a little bit sloppy themselves. They made a few basic errors. They do have a lot of young guys in the team, like um, Khan Pereira on the wing. is clearly someone who's going to have a big future in first grade, but he had a couple of um, errors of judgment and a couple of bad mistakes and all that, and that's going to happen with, with, with young guys. But I don't know, the, the, the sort of composure that they showed against the Tigers just wasn't quite there for mine. I thought Tana Boyd probably had a bit of a tough one at halfback, but... Um, Again, they're a, they're, a, they're a young side and a developing side. And I think the two away games in a row to start the season probably caught up with them a little bit. Mm. Um, Is Sam Verrill's okay? I, I don't know. I it's don't a know big loss if he's going to miss time. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't mind Chris Randall's work rate. He's, a really, um, he's got, a, got a big motor on him. But I thought Verrill's has already added a lot in the sort of game and a half that he has played. And when he, when he sort of went off, I, to me, is when the Titans started to lose mm. their way a little bit in attack. Yeah. Um, but yes, for me, for me, this one was 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 more about Saints and the good footy they were playing. You know, yeah, good for them. Um, and yeah, Ben Hunt, what a guy, what a guy, what a guy. I like him combining with Jaden Sullivan. I don't know what they're going to do with Talatau Mone now that he's back on the scene, but I I think I might like Hunt and Sullivan as a pairing a little bit more. I think they complement each other a little bit more than a Mone and Hunt do. 
Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Randrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Randrandra. All right, that's a bit of news before we get out of here, Nick. Not too much. Um, we're going to add three new NRL teams next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it, this train is never late. And then we'll get the article about the North Sydney Bears. And then we'll get the article about the cross-code game against the Wallabies. <laughs> Still hanging out. Still hanging out for that one. I think we've been hearing about that for a quarter of a century at this point. Anyway, so we're talking about a story that was in um, this week's Sunday Telegraph about the NRL's radical expansion plans to go to 20 teams. They want to... Pacifica team based in Cairns. They want... What, 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 what were the other two? Uh, I believe it's Newtown and North Sydney. <laughs> and Glebe as God, well. I'll bring them home. Yep. Bring them back. No, see, I don't know. I, I do think that it will take a, a little bit of time for the competition to adjust to just having 17 teams. Just mm. from a talent standpoint, I think we've seen this year that there isn't the depth in a lot of sides that we've seen in the past and that's because we've had to come up with another top 30 squad so the residual effects of that knock on across the entire league and it could be like two or three or even five years before that settles itself down i was always a believer that we had enough talent for 17 teams i think eventually we'll have enough talent for 18 20 is too many yeah 20 is too many i also think that um 20 is too many but i also think that if we're when we're talking about expansion like come on what are we doing here like the next the next the next team has to be perth yeah, if, 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 if the league's expansion teams don't involve Perth in some way, then to me, they're not serious. They're not serious because I understand they want to, you know, they want to have footy in, in traditional areas. They want to fish where the fish are. But at some point, expansion has to be about expanding the game, you know, and Perth is just such a natural answer for that. It gives you, it gives you a, a, new, a new time slot to play matches, which, which would increase the value of the television deal more than any other team probably would. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of expats from the Eastern Seaboard over there now, so there would be a lot of built-in support. And Perth people will get behind Perth stuff. They always do. Bro, Perth Wildcats. They go to, they go to yeah. Western Force games over there. They went to Western Force games when the Western Force were just playing. I just call them the Wildcats, like I'm up. South African, just by pure accident. Yeah, there's a, yeah, and like a, a team in Perth is well overdue, well overdue. Yeah, they have to be. They have to be the next team. I, I don't care what else they do, but that has that for me has to be the next. Although, I mean, look, a, te- a nomadic team that travels around the islands, pretty cool. But is that what we need? I, well, you got to be from somewhere, mm-hmm. right? A team, a team has to have a home, and you know the, the, the Cairns t- Bears that play their home games in Tonga, Samoa, and Papua New Guinea. That just sounds like we just asked Chat GPT to shit out the most ridiculous <laughs> NRL expansion idea possible. Yeah, I, I, and the other thing is, I, I don't. I don't know if just having a Pacifica team is a great idea. It treats, I think it treats the region as, as a sort of homogenous thing rather than recognising that these are different places with different cultures and all that sort of deal. I would love it if we could take games to Samoa or Tonga or Papua New Guinea or Fiji or something like that. But giving them their own team, I think, is a bit of a... I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the slam dunk idea that some people think it's going to be. No. I, I will say this, though. I know we laugh whenever the, whenever the Bears stuff comes up. I would love it if the Bears came back in some form and one game a year at North Sydney Oval. I think that, that could be – that has the potential to be something really special. Someone should write some sort of like history about the Bears. Someone should write a four-part, 25,000-word piece on the North Sydney Bears that's mm. incredibly, incredibly long and was not read by anybody except the five most perverted Bears sickos out there. I read it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're telling on yourself there. Shit. All right. Um, Nathan Brown is set to join the Roosters on a short-term deal to alleviate their injury crisis. I mean, this is a classic signing where he'll just like play well, and it'll annoy me. Yeah, I, look, he's had a tough uh, sort of twelve months. Hmm. Nathan Brown. He fell out of favour at Parramatta, and when he when he did play, he didn't sort of have the. Uh, didn't provide the the thrust in the middle of the field that he has in the past. He really became more of a passer. That was a big yeah. evolution in yeah, his yeah. game last year. But I think right now the Roosters just need bodies. They need bodies that they can play because they've got so many injuries in the middle of the field. And I think Nathan Brown is actually injured himself oh. at the moment. I think he's got an ankle problem or something like that. So he's at least a week or two away. Um, but if they're just getting him to come up like at full fitness when they've got everyone back, if he's just coming off the bench for 20 minutes of mayhem a week, we know that's something that he can do and and do pretty well. So 
I, lo- I like tentatively. I like this for the Roosters, but I do think we might have already seen the best of Nathan Brown. He has sort of slowed down a little bit in the last couple of years. So I think people who are sort of framing this as like, oh, the Roosters have done it again. It's like, you know, it's not like it's not like the snagged a state of origin player or anything like that. I yeah. think they're getting him in there to to, to just do, to just do a job for them, and he can do that job. But you know. Yeah, uh, last thing be before we go, on. quickly have a little chat about Thursday night's game. Manly Seagulls, well rested off their bye, playing the Parramatta Eels at Brookvale. I, I saw Parramatta fans complaining about this, and usually I think complaints about the draw are dumb. But they might have a point here, that the next three games they're playing a team that's coming off the bye each week. That is tough. Yeah. That is tough. Um, oh, this is a, I think this is a really big one for Parra. Yep. This is a really big one for Parra because the two games after this are really, really tough and they need to sort of try and bank a win when they can. And this is one that I think they would look at as more winnable than the other two. I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of Manly all the way because Canterbury were, were really poor against them and I'm not sure if... I'm not sure if uh, Manly were totally dazzling or if Canterbury were just were just that poor on the night, you know. But up at Brookie, Manly's forward pack did really well in that first week. I think they'll I think they'll fancy their chances in the trenches with with Para and Tom Trebojevic, like we talked about on the show last week. He'll be much better for the run. So I'm expecting his progress to continue. I'm probably leaning Manly on this one now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, I think up there, week and a half of rests. Give me the give me the Manly Warringah Seagulls. What about that? Going to be three and zero to start the year. Well, I, well will you Coltrane them? <laughs> no. Are you brave enough to Absolutely do that? Absolutely not. To, to break the streak. No, I'm in hell. I'm, I might try to shoot the moon. Go on twenty seven. I tried to do that last year. It's more difficult than you think. Well, of course, it's it's as difficult as going twenty seven and zero. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, yeah. Um, if people are confused, the Coltrane Cup is our weekly tipping competition where you pick one match per week, and over the course of the season, you've got to pick every team at least once. Uh, a couple of the rules, but yeah, it's a that is a perk for the people on our Patreon subscription service. Uh, it's probably too late to join now, but although you'll be ahead of me if you join right now. Well, the thing is, because because there's been so much carnage in the Coal Train Cup, I think sixty percent of the league took the Roosters to be the Dolphins in week and one. A big that chunk didn't happen. Took the Storm, and then a not as big a chunk, but pretty close, took the Storm to. To beat the Bulldogs on Saturday, so even if you join now, you could you probably you'll be still, ahead. Of, you'll be ahead of me because I'm still riding them with a chance. Yeah, <laughs> far out. Um, uh, and there's obviously plenty of other reasons to join as well. You get a third podcast every week, our Question Time episode, which people love. Uh, access to our Discord server, uh, merchandise discounts, um, plenty of other things as well. Uh, oh, and you get to nominate. What about this, blokes? Maybe you might get your name drawn out. Oh, the the that's the, that segment is the sensation. Sweeping the nation. That's I, true. I can't walk down to the shops without people coming up to me and just screaming the names of random guys in my face. It's the best. Yeah, Tame Tupo was trending number one across Australia <laughs> last week after we talked about it. Mate, all the kids out there doing TikToks about Tame Tupo. They it's were. crazy. Calling them Tame Talks. Nice. Mm. All right, and a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon, and they are Chris Avnell, Dave, Nico Hines had the greatest season in NRL history, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh, Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shunter, Simo, Stoned Gossard, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Age Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Life's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to everyone in the lower tiers. And to everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Fine, handsome, attractive people with great postures and good haircuts. You know, I found out Westlife's podcast is not actually about the team. It's about the band that Ronan Keating was in. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't it just? Yeah. But I guess I guess when, when, when you follow a team like the Tigers, you'll take the joy wherever you can find it. Maybe we should start doing that. Remember when I refused... I don't know if you remember... Well, you weren't on the show, but a couple of years ago when I refused to talk about the Bulldogs and we just talked about a different type of dog every week. When the <laughs> I Bulldogs, don't, don't remember that. Um, maybe we should start talking about different Ronan Keating songs every week instead of talking about the West Tigers. What's your number one Ronan Keating song? Well, I only know that one that was big. The, you say it best when you say nothing <laughs> at all. So this segment will go for a week and then after that... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I don't need a second favorite Ronan Keating song sure. because, like, that one just does the job for me. That one's good enough to to carry my Ronan Keating fandom. Yeah. And listeners, the smile on your face lets me know that you need me. And there's a truth in your eyes saying, "You'll never leave me," and I appreciate that. <laughs> but we're going to leave you right now because that's the end of the show. Say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. See you on Wednesday for the question show, and then Friday for the weekly preview show. We're doing it all again. Absolutely, and it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>